Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Roll Pod, an Alabama sports podcast from Bama 247. I am staff writer Cody Goodwin, and I am glad you guys are here. I'm joined today by Mike Rodak, fellow staff writer at Bama 247, and we're here to discuss maybe one of the few things that I'm not sure we thought we'd be discussing here on January 11th. Nick Saban, after 17 seasons at Alabama, after 28 years total as a college football head coach, and after more than 50 years as a football coach in some capacity at either the college or pro level, has retired. ESPN's Chris Lowe broke the news Wednesday afternoon. Terry Saban, his wife, later confirmed with a message through the Knicks Kids Foundation, and then Nick himself released his own statement later on Wednesday evening. From 2007 to 2023, Nick Saban led the Crimson Tide to nine SEC titles, six national titles, and a 201-29 overall record when you add in his stops at Toledo and Michigan State and LSU. He went 292-71-1, and and 11 SEC titles, a 1990 MAC title, and seven overall national titles. He's the greatest of all time. He's the best to ever do it. He did it across different eras with different rules in different ways. And at age 72, he has finally stepped away. Uh, We're recording this on Thursday, a day removed from the news. So we've had some time to write a little bit, to process a little bit. But Mike, what was your initial reaction when the news broke on Wednesday? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that I think we saw coming to some degree, but when it still happens, I think there's still a shock factor there. Um, you know, first when the news, you, you first see it kind of, you know, come out on Twitter, which I think we all expected it would be a, a Chris Lowe report from ESPN. I think he's long been, um, you know, the conduit for Saban as far as, you know, the first call that they're going to make, uh, the first text that they're going to make, whatever it might be. So that part wasn't shocking. Um, but no, and even when you see the email in your inbox, like Nick Saban announces retirement, like that's still it's one of those like screenshot, like, man, you're not going to get that again. Um, but it is something that I think, you know, has been out there, you know, for months. Like it's something that um, I'd say is the, the levels of speculation and rumor, et cetera, we were unprecedented this year compared to previous years. And that's something that Dennis Dodd kind of took the plunge and wrote about it, you know, for CBS, you know, before the Rose bowl and people killed him for it, you know, kind of the, you know, conjecture that was out there. And as I said to people at the time, like, it's true that there was a lot of conjecture out there about Saban and it, it certainly proved to be true. And, um, you know, as I wrote about this morning, it, there were all sorts of little breadcrumbs that you kind of pick up along the way, uh, whether it was Saban and waving to the crowd after the Tennessee game. And that ended up being his what third to last home game. Um, and, you know, you have, going into, you know, the SEC championship game, kind of the comments to Kirby Smart about, I'm getting old for this, and, you know, you're smarter than me, you know, wanting to get out before you're 72. Um, And you get to the Rose Bowl, and Saban was never really asked directly about his retirement. He kind of dodged a little bit of a question at Media Day about it. Um, You know, I'd say the, the biggest red flag to me, though, was when he was on the McAfee show last week, and, you know, McAfee asked, I'd say, a fairly direct question about whether he would come back next year. It wasn't worded exactly like that. But then McAfee kind of tacked on a different question at the end. And as Saban often says, you know, the media training that they get and he gives his players or gave his players past tense now um, is to answer the question that you want to answer. And Saban answered the last question for McAfee, which was not the question about are you coming back? And he had to perfect opportunity sitting there on a national stage to say, I'm coming back. I'll be back. Uh, knowing I'm sure that there was questions about it. And he didn't do that. 
And um, that was a, a pretty big red flag to me. And then, you know, going into yesterday, you had definitely murmurings and uh, rumors about the team meeting at four o'clock. And so when it actually happened at four o'clock, wasn't surprised necessarily, but again, still a shock to the system to see that actually come out. Yeah. And I think, you know, to, to the, the story that you wrote um, that went up earlier this morning, just a lot of little clues here and there. And I actually, you know, when, when I first heard the news and after we maybe, you know, got a few things initially written on Bama 247, I started thinking back to the Rose Bowl a little bit and like, you know, like I, I kind of took my cues from, from you and Talty when we were down there in LA, just cause it's still my first year on the beat. Um, still trying to, you know, find my footing a little bit here and there. Um, and, and I think both of you guys and especially Talty even mentioned too, that the drum beat about that just seems a little bit louder this year than maybe it had in years past. Um, you know, I, you mentioned Dennis Dodd. He was not the only national guy that was, you know, kind of prying or kind of, you know, maybe cracking the window open a little bit just to kind of see what was there. Is there any truth behind there? I think it was Kevin Steele that ultimately had the quote that like, Hey, I think the only person that really knows is Saban himself. Um, and that seems to have bared out based on everything that we have learned over the last, you know, I guess 16 to 20 hours about right now. I mean, I, he Saban was working for the most part all the way up until that team meeting at four o'clock. And even then, like, it, you know, the most optimistic Alabama fan could have been, you know, oh, well, that team meeting, you know, I think we later learned that that was, um, you know, that team meeting was originally supposed to be held on Monday and they moved it, I guess, because of weather. or It was supposed to be earlier in the week and they moved it because of weather. Um, you know, and when you look back at it at his day Wednesday, Saban still he showed up at the Malmore facility. He was interviewing um, coaches to potentially fill his wide receiver um, coach role vacancy. Um, he took part in an SEC coaches uh, Zoom teleconference that, you know, I guess they have weekly or regularly in the offseason. I guess he was very active and animated in that call. Like even I think it was Mizzou's Eli Drinkwitz had a radio hit um, shortly yesterday where he was like, yeah, like I, we had no idea any of this was coming. He it looked like business as usual. Um, and then I guess he met with uh, Alabama AD Greg Byrne about two o'clock or so. And then they had the team meeting and um, that's kind of when the bomb dropped. And, you know, I think, I, you know, we had all heard about the rumor of the team meeting. So I think a lot of us were kind of paying attention around then. And then to see Chris Lowe drop the news, like that was, it, I agree with you. Like it was very shocking. It was not something that I thought, would come this year. I don't know why I was pretty convinced personally that he would probably see this out for a couple more years. I felt like he was invigorated by all the recruiting success that they have continued to have. Um, and especially this past season, they're bringing in new quarterback. They in the process of bringing in a lot more, you know, new skill players. He loaded up with a bunch of other young, talented defensive backs. That's obviously his, his coaching nature by trade. Um, Shocked. Yeah. Very, very shocked. Um, and I think the other thing that maybe came to mind a little bit too, and I'm curious your perspective on this is I know Saban in the past has talked about never wanting to be a liability or wanting to be a reason that Alabama could not achieve the goals that they had set out for themselves. And we'll touch on some more of those numbers here in a bit, just to kind of look back at his impressive coaching run, especially in Tuscaloosa. But, um, you know, I think when you combine that thought, with the fact that, you know, he has said a lot this year, but really over the last few years that not the biggest fan of where college football is headed. I know he's kind of grown tired a little bit of all the transfer portal nonsense. I know he's grown tired quite a bit of the whole NIL conversation. Um, you know, just the way it was headed, it was not maybe the same sport that he had grown to love. 
um, that he, you know, obviously came up coaching with and to his credit, he has adjusted quite a bit, you know, the whole, the idea of him, you know, finding success across different eras with different rules in different ways. Like he did it with defense. He did it with offense. He did it in the NIL era. He did it in the BCS era in the college football playoff era. It kind of sounds like he got tired, man. Like that's, you know, I mean, he's 72. What more does he have to prove? Like I, it, sometimes I think it could be as simple as that. I'm not sure what maybe you think, but just when you look at the way the dots connect, um, that's at least what it looks like to me. What do you think? Yeah, I think there there has to be an element of that, um, you know, where it's and you talked about December being a particularly difficult month now with, uh, you know, you play the SEC championship game and then you know, the portal opens two days later and you have early signing day where you're recruiting guys, you have coaches leaving on your staff um, and then you have to get ready for you know, you're trying to recruit guys to the transfer portal to come in. And then you're also trying to get ready for the playoff and you also have Christmas and family stuff that comes along with that. And um, you know, I think December is probably the toughest month in college football. And that's, I, in fact, I even remember when we were driving back from, um, Kentucky and I think we were listening to the radio and Hugh freeze was on there and he, he talked about how modern college football has ruined Christmas, I think was the way he put it. And it has, <laughs> um, so you do have to wonder, like, did saving kind of come out of Christmas and, and be like, man, I, I wish I could be more present with my family and he has two grandkids and, um, you know, the Alabama alumni magazine did just put out last week, kind of quietly mentioned in there that, you know, Nick Saban has a couple grand or a third grandchild on the way, just kind of tucked in there. And I haven't seen it anywhere else um, that apparently there's a third one. So, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I think he, he loves the grind. He, he loved past tense, the grind and, um the routine of everything and i think you even saw that this morning thursday morning there's a video of him walking into facility he's dressed like he always is and cedric burns is carrying his briefcase and everything looks normal um maybe it's just like he can't he can't do the next thing like this is what he's used to doing but you know there probably does come a point where it's like you, know, you just need to call it quits and um i don't know if there's a better way timing wise to have done this like you, maybe you do it in advance and say like in the middle of December, like you make the decision and, you know, this will be my last playoff. But then I think it's probably causing a distraction to his team. And I don't think he would have wanted that. Um, like, I don't think there's a perfectly clean way of, of making this split because whenever it happens, whether you're in a transfer portal window or not, a new window opens. And so there's always going to be the possibility of players leaving, coaches leaving. Like, I don't think – I mean, I think it's better to do it now than it would have been in, like, February to try to get another coach to come in at that point and try to get all the players to move at that point. So this is probably the best time for it to have happened, I think. And, um, you know, we'll see where that leaves Alabama as far as the coaching search and all that. But, um, again, it's – you had to kind of make that clean break, and he has the house and. Florida and he likes golf and I think we'll see him on TV at some point in some capacity for ESPN would be my my guess um and I think he'll he'll be just fine he'll get used to it as most people do when they retire yeah um there's a lot of different branches from this tree that I think we we will touch on in some capacity you know obviously there's the coaching search we've got a list of candidates that are up um I know uh, Yumi, Talti, Zenitz, a lot of guys at the 247 Sports Network have their ear to the ground about 
you know, who, who they should go after, who they are going after, um, you know, Alabama AD, um, Greg Byrne, notoriously tight lipped on things like this, um, especially with some previous Alabama hires. So I'm not sure if things are actually going to get leaked out or if we'll just all open up an email sometime later today or tomorrow. And I'll, um, and I'll butt in on that just for a second to say, uh, I was not here yet when they made the Nate Oates hire. Um, I was actually in Buffalo it was the day my, my son was born. Um, and you know, Nate Oates was the Buffalo coach at the time and it would shocked everybody when Alabama just put out a press release that they're hiring Nate Oates and there was zero buzz around it, you know, beforehand granted that was Alabama basketball five years ago, not the most prominent program in the world. And, you know, certainly pales in comparison to the, the prominence of football here. Um, but you know, Greg Byrne is certainly known for being very, secretive with the coaching searches and he made a very secret trip up to Buffalo to, to meet with Nate Oates. And when he was hiring the baseball coach and Rob Vaughn, I think there's a story of him, um, you know, kind of doing a scouting trip to Maryland and, you know, sitting incognito in the stands or whatever it was. Wore a Red Sox hat. Yeah, that's what it was. Um, yeah. I don't think we're going to be seeing private jets and tracking them online as people do sometimes with these coaching searches. I think Alabama's a little bit too, smart, if you will, to, um, you know, get that out there. So, you know, we'll see where it leads, but it's not like, you know, it's college football is, is a big deal. A lot of these programs and coaches are big deals. I think it's, it's hard to be completely secretive about it. And, um, unless you really go way outside the box and you hire like, you know, North Dakota States coach or something like (laughs) you're probably going to be talking to a guy that people are going to hear about, you know, whether it's a Dan Lanning or Kalen DeBoer or, you know, whoever. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that here. Just a, a couple minutes. The other thing that comes out of this is there's now a 30 day transfer window for the entirety of Alabama's roster, which, you know, according to the 247 sports composite, the most talented roster in college football. I imagine the, the vultures are already circling. Coaches are probably already making calls or handlers are already starting to kind of get in the works as to, you know, how can they, you know, pick from this roster. The other thing I think I wanted to touch on first, just the the impressive, just I don't even know if there's a good enough word that kind of describes what Nick Saban was able to do, not just here, but throughout his career. I mean, we touched on the overall record, the record at Alabama, the seven national championships, the 11 SEC titles, um, a couple other numbers that stick out to me while at, while at Alabama, he had more first round NFL draft picks, 44 than losses, 29. Um, and he may soon add to that because there's as many as three or four other Alabama players that could be picked in the first round in April. Um, also read that according to spot track, his 123 NFL draft picks have made over $2 billion in NFL salary. Um, you talk about creating value for yourself. They should probably just put that on a poster and put it on the front door. Well, they do. Um, they do. Alabama okay, <laughs> has uh, compiled that number himself and they, they blasted it out the last couple of years. What to, well, I, I guess I, I bring those numbers up to, you know, as somebody who has covered Saban longer than me, um, What's I mean, what what are you going to remember most? What's the most impressive thing about what Saban has been able to do, not just here at Alabama, but really just over the course of his, you know, 50 plus year coaching career? Yeah, well, I'll say the first thing is it's we do kind of lose sight of the fact that, like, there's a commemoration that needs to happen as to his career. And and I would expect at some point they'll have some sort of event, if you will, you know, where maybe Saban gets up and speaks in the stadium and. You know, people can watch a video and all clap and kind of reminisce. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of 
again, event that happens like that. Um, I don't know when, I don't know, you know, just a speculation on my end. I haven't, I'm sure I haven't organized it yet, but um, I'll say the other thing too is in, in regards to Saban slowing down, he always said that like, when I feel like I'm dragging the program down, that's when I'll leave. I don't think anybody would say that happened this year. Like I think, no, it was, <laughs> right. It was a team that, and again, there's, and we talked about in the last podcast, like there's different ways of looking at this past season, but the general consensus is that this might've been Nick Saban's best coaching job um, in terms of getting this team to win a national or sorry, to win an sec title, to get into the playoff, to compete for a national title um, when there were a lot of questions about it. Um, you can also go back and say, well, why were those questions in place? And was there some sort of you know, slippage from a personnel standpoint? I think the portal in NAL probably, you know, play a part in that, <clears throat> but this was not a season where you're like Saban should walk away because he clearly can't do it anymore. Like that was not the feeling. And um, they won I think, 12 games. They won the sec. Right. They beat, you know, Georgia, who I think many people would argue is, was the most talented football team in, in college football this season. And they, they, I, they had moments where they looked like they were the best team in the country this year. I don't know that there was any sort of, you know, it, it didn't look like Saban was a liability. Put it that way, right? And you know, people thought maybe if they won the national title this year, that Saban would go out go out on top. But for him to leave after losing in the playoffs, I think was a little bit more surprising. So, anyway, to get to your your question of like what I'll remember most, you know, I think it's just a remarkable ability to adapt to each player and to know what buttons to push with, with each player, I think has always been the most um, impressive thing to me in terms of the psychologist and the psychiatrist that he works with. And he always talks about it, but the different learning styles and all of these kind of sayings and um, lessons that he comes up with. And he gives a lot of them to us, or he gave a lot of them to us past tense again. Um, and, you know, the openings of his, news conferences, you know, Wednesday night, especially was like, he's going to give the message to us that he's giving to his team. And there's always a theme. There's always something that he's come up with. Um, you know, he has always seemed very well read in terms of um, books and history and all that. And, you know, the ability to adapt that to a college football team to motivate them again, to know which buttons to push, I think has always been really impressive. So that's, you know, probably what I'll remember most. And there's things that Nick Saban has said and, um, again, kind of life lessons that we can take for ourselves. And, you know, you're, you're, you're washing the dishes and thinking, man, like, I don't want to do this, but then you think, well, Nick Saban says, it's not always about what you want to do. It's what you need to do. And, you know, you, you kind of, you think about those things. Uh, you think about, again, the things that he says about, you got to, fight through it and grind and you, you can apply it to life. And I think a lot of players have over the years. No, I, I, I really enjoy that. I, of I honestly, like one of the very first thoughts that I had when, when Saban, you know, finally came out and confirmed that he was retiring was um, like part sadness, part jealousy, because I only got to cover him for a year. And like, you know, it's not like I, you know, would sit front row in his press conferences and, you know, prop him up as this like demigod, but like, I did lean in and listen quite a bit to what he was saying, to what those themes were, because I, you know, they, they not only applied to football, but they applied to a lot of greater things as well. And it's, you know, it's not like I'm sitting there loading the dishwasher thinking of Nick Saban and what he told his team that week, but 
Like I took notes on those things. Like I, and it's funny because, you know, he was always really big on the process. Like that was his thing and process oriented. Like that's how you need to attack certain goals. Um, you know, the idea that, you know, it, to climb the mountain, it's not about focusing on getting to the top of the mountain. It's focusing on what you need to do to get to the top of the mountain. And just, you know, as long as you focus on that, eventually you'll get there. Um, like he was a master at that. He was a master at communicating that in different ways and different styles to different athletes, to different coaches. Um, and that was like, I'm bummed that I didn't get to enjoy that for another year. Like it was really cool to see the magic up close, like in this one season that I got to cover of Nick Saban. And it was like, a, and I've, I've said this before, this was a really fun Alabama team to cover because they, they were coached and, you know, and I think that's one of the parts of maybe what he enjoyed most about this past season is that he was really able to kind of put his coaching hat on. It's not just, you know, Hey, we've got the biggest, baddest team in college football. Let's just go execute and win all these games. Like, no, he really had to coach this team up from week one, week two, week three, all the way to an SEC title to, you know, reach the Rose Bowl. And, you know, I mean, hey, they were, what, three minutes from playing in the college football national championship game? Like, again, who'd have thought that after week two and week three? It was I'm a little a little jealous that a lot of you guys got a lot more time with Saban than maybe I did, but also, you know, just kind of grateful that, you know, this was the version of Saban that I got to see up close, a guy that really I thought enjoyed this season maybe more than he has in years past, just kind of picking up you know, from what you guys have been talking about. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to miss those little morsels of wisdom on, on Monday mornings or, you know, Wednesday after practices, or when we listen to his Hey Coach radio show, he used to, he would usually drop a couple of big things here and there. Like those things were kind of fun to listen to. And it made a lot of sense why he's as successful as he was. And, you know, it's not dissimilar from a lot of other successful coaches, you know, in football, in basketball and wrestling and whatever other sport out there that you guys might follow. But, um, you know, it was just, it was cool to see that at such a high level from a guy that has done it over and over and over again. And so the good news, I, that, I was going to say, the good news is that he's still alive, um, which sometimes <laughs> you see some of these pictures, people are gathering around a statue and there's flowers and you're like, he didn't die. Like, let's, <laughs> let's, uh, I, I understand people's sentiments there, but obviously, um, you know, he's still around and yeah, I think he's going to still be pretty visible in terms of, again, if he does oh, TV, yeah. if he's on college game day every Saturday. Oh, well, Alexa doesn't have an answer. If you heard that, um, <laughs> I don't know why Alexa was listening to me. It's always very creepy when she does, but, um, you know, I think like, we're still going to hear from him. I know like coach K, you know, retired and he does that serious, um, radio show every weekend or whatever it is. Um, you know, I think it's it's we're still going to get that stuff. Uh, it's just going to be in a different format. And, you know, it's it's going to be perhaps even less filtered or I don't know what the right. You know, it's, I think it's going to be more honest opinions of, of what's going on. I don't think he's going to be shooting down hypothetical questions or comparisons like the things that we couldn't ask him as a head coach currently of his team. I think he might be more willing to talk about when he's kind of a third party. Um, so that will be interesting too, to kind of get his, his outside thoughts looking in on Alabama football, which again, I think we're going to get. Very excited for whatever documentaries come of this. Um, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if ESPN and 30 for 30 maybe already had the rights to potentially do a bigger Saban profile. Very excited for the book. Um, love our guy, John Talty and what he was able to write. Um, but kind of excited to see what Saban comes up with in you know, his, his own way, whether he writes it, whether he has somebody write it for him. Um, 
you know, there's, there's, those are, those are going to be very widely read and widely consumed pieces of content when it comes to Nick Saban and, and what's next. And, um, you know, like you said, it, he is still alive. It's going to be exciting to kind of see, you know, him take his process oriented model, um, and just the way that he approaches things on a day-to-day basis into whatever is next. Um, and personally, I hope it's TV because, like I said, the guy is a brilliant communicator, and I think he would be a great addition to some sort of pregame show, whether it's ESPN's College Game Day or something else, because I think he could help educate the public and college football fans and make them even better um, football fans. Um, that's one thing that he's always been very, very good about. One other thing we wanted to hit on before we got out, that was a lot of talk about Nick Saban. Obviously, what comes next is maybe even more important than the news that he is retiring. Um, we have a list of coaching candidates up. You got one up fairly quick. Um, I know John Talty provided an update this morning on Bama 247 Thursday morning. Um, seems like the names that continue to circle or continue to gain buzz, Dan Lanning, Lane Kiffin's in there, Kalen DeBoer's a name that's been mentioned, Steve Sarkeesian. Um, what are kind of your thoughts on who could be next, who specifically they're targeting? Do we know anything more at the time that we're recording this? Right. I know people, uh, you know, I think I saw somebody say, oh, it's disrespectful to talk about the next coach on the, the day it happens. But honestly, that I think is the reality of the college football world that Nick Saban is leaving. And again, maybe part of the reason why he's leaving it is just how quickly things move and how you need to get the next thing in place or you lose a bunch of players to the portal, whatever the case may be. So I do think there is you know, a time factor there where Alabama should or, or might need to have a new coach in place to start convincing these players to stay. Um, so, you know, that's the first part of it. But, you know, I think on, and John Talty had it this morning, Thursday morning on on the, uh, you know, the VIP board, basically saying, you know, Dan Lanning to a lot of people is the front runner um, or a lot of buzz about him. But in, in Talty's words, um, there have been people in Oregon increasingly confident over the last 12 hours or so that he won't be leaving Eugene. Um, you know, essentially, I think Oregon's going to make a pretty strong push to keep him, and as they should, as you'd expect. And as I said on the radio somewhere else today, I think the gap between those two jobs has probably changed. Um, it's probably tightened because of NIL, and Oregon has a lot of NIL capability. Alabama's, you know, they're not quite there. You know, I, I they have some issues with NIL and we saw that in the, in the wake of the Rose bowl game, you know, kind of begging people for, for money right away um, to stay competitive. And it, there could be an argument to be made that Dan Lanning staying at Oregon helps him from an NIL standpoint. Same thing with Sark at, at Texas. Like I know people want him. I know people were really impressed with him when he was the offensive coordinator here. They won a national title. He was the head coach for one of those games in the iron bowl. Um, but Texas is probably in a better spot than Alabama right now. So I know it's Alabama it has the prestige. It has the history, it has the pedigree, but in this modern year of college football in the year 2024, is it the best job in college football? I don't know if the answer is yes, uh, because of NIL. And that's just something that the new coach is going to have to deal with. And, um, you know, maybe there's a, a greater motivational factor for donors and whatever it might be, the people funding this to, put more forth um, with a new coach, trying to get things back. But um, that's something not to overlook in this entire conversation. Yeah, no, I think that's super important. And, um, you know, between, you know, that and trying to keep the current Alabama roster intact as much as possible is probably why um, Alabama is going to move pretty quickly on there. Didn't want to spend too much time on the coaching search because I know that 
one, Alabama does want to move quickly. And two, like we'll be able to come back, um, you know, the next time you guys hear from us to quote Greg Byrne, we're hopefully going to be talking about a new Alabama head coach and the process to getting in what that was like. And then obviously what his, you know, to-do list is going to be immediately um, with regards to the Alabama roster, the program and everything else moving forward. So, but at least wanted to touch on it just to kind of be like, Hey, here are the names we're hearing. Um, I think that was really everything else though. Are there any other final thoughts on either Saban retiring things moving forward? I wanted to kind of make this one quick since I know we got a lot of stuff that we're doing these next few days. Yeah. I mean, I'll just, I'll end by basically, I don't want to say eliminating two names, but I think shooting down to a large degree, two names that have come up and the first being D'Amico Ryans, who I think people want <laughs> back in Alabama an NFL head coaching job in this day and age is still far and away the better job. Um, the NFL has a lot more resources in terms of, I mean, I think I saw the story last week that the 56 highest watch sporting events, all of 2023 were NFL games. So there's 56 NFL games that were watched more than any other sport. Also, uh, the dude has a rookie quarterback and a rookie right. edge rusher. I don't think he's leaving to come right. recruit. He's has a he's playoff team in the NFL, the pinnacle of sports in America. Um, and it just doesn't make sense as much as high as, as people might hold the Alabama job. It is not an NFL job. And, and this is yeah. not a Nick Saban leaving Miami to go to Alabama situation. Um, and again, there's NFL coaches. You can talk to any of them do not want to deal with NIL. They do not want to deal with recruiting. They do not want to deal with the grind of having to re-recruit your roster every year, talk to high schoolers to keep them coming, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, they just don't want that. So, that is part of it. D'Amico Ryan's Lane Kiffin is the other name that I and Talty has written this himself on our on our board that there's just by all accounts not much of an appetite for Lane Kiffin to be the next head coach at Alabama. That Lane Kiffin might want it. Um, but <laughs> you know, the it's just it it doesn't seem like the right fit in terms of what Alabama wants. Um lifestyle wise and, and all that. So I just wouldn't expect that name either. We will be keeping tabs on all the names um, as the buzz continues to grow over the next couple of days. We're expecting a pretty quick coaching search. So we'll circle back whenever that is completed to touch on the process, how they got hired and ultimately what the next steps are going to be for the next Alabama head coach. Mike, I appreciate you making the time as always. We wanted to make this show pretty quick because of the news, just to kind of talk about Saban, um, his legacy, and then ultimately what's next. So the next time you guys hear from us, um, hopefully we will be talking about um, Alabama's brand new head football coach. In the meantime, though, be sure to rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, even our Bama 247 YouTube page. Subscribe to Bama 247 and 247 Sports. We are running a coaching search deal, I believe now, 60% off, about $43 for the entire year of an annual VIP membership for 247 Sports. You should absolutely take advantage of that if you want the latest up-to-date intel on Alabama's head coaching search. Um, take advantage of that or send it to the Alabama sports fan in your life. They will surely not regret it. Thank you again, Mike. We appreciate you guys always as listening and we will talk to you all again soon.